got a surprise for you. Pop quiz. <laughs> You're welcome. Now, I, I, you know, I could say what, what subject you want, but I'm going to give you your subject anyway. Church history. <laughs> Don't worry, you'll do fine. Three questions. Question number one. What book in the Bible, our Bible, I'm not trying to confuse you, the one you're familiar with, what book in our Bible, outlet John, <laughs> I like that answer anyway, what book of the Bible outlines the very first stages of what we call the church? Acts, the book of Acts, right? Uh, thought of as sort of a historical look, not historic, historical that we think of, you know, history textbooks, but still looking back how it started, wh- what began and what went on in those early, early days life of the church. Very good. Question number two. Who wrote the book of Acts? Luke. Dr. Luke, I like to call him. Luke. Wrote the same Luke that gave us, you know, the gospel according to Luke, that book. I've actually always heard Acts as being Luke, volume 2, where the book of Luke kind of ends off, Acts picks up and takes it away. So, written by Luke. Hey, you learned something new today, didn't you? Third question, essay question. You don't have to write this down, but in, I want you to answer this question in, I don't know, 500 words or less. What happened towards the end of um, um, Luke, part one, that created the need to write Luke, part two, or Acts? 500 words or less. That work? That's right. I can do it in one word. I can say resurrection. Towards the end of the gospel, according to Luke, resurrection happens. The disciples find out about the resurrection, and the resurrection changes the disciples, just like it does us, right? You remember Easter morning, right, when the disciples first went into, they saw the tomb, and the tomb, Jesus wasn't there. And they're all scared, and they're confused, and they don't know what to do, and they're they're huddled together, and they're, what are we going to do? What does this mean? And Jesus shows up and does his whole peace be still gig, and look, it's me. Remember all that? And once they realize that Jesus has been resurrected, it changes them. All that's gone. And in Acts, we see how the resurrection inspired them, encouraged them, strengthened them, powered them, maybe pushed them and kicked them when needed to be, maybe even convicted them to do the things that we read about. They started preaching, and by the thousands, people started following Jesus, right? Just like what happens here, right? You're laughing. (laughs) Not yet. But just wait. But we read all these things. And we read about what uh, what Patty read a little while ago about Philip. See, on a church level, all this stuff is happening. But even on a personal level, somebody like Philip is is taking taking the resurrection to himself and even one-on-one making change for somebody. And I think that is such an important thing for us to remember, the resurrection, because before... We, we had the nice buildings and the comfortable pews. And praise God, the air conditioning. Before we had pianos and choirs and pulpits. 
before we had children's dinner, before we even had potluck dinner, which you know I'm so thankful for. Before any of that, the only thing the church had going for itself was the resurrection of Jesus. And what's really, really, really funny about that is that is all that the church really needed. Just like today, right? I don't know. There was a young man who had just gotten his driver's license. And uh, he goes to his mother so they can discuss the scheduling of the family car, when he'll get to use it, how long, and all that business. His mom says, okay, you can use the car once you pick up your grades, once you start reading your Bible a little more, because she happened to be a minister. And when you please cut that hair, then you can borrow the family car. But mom, you know how it goes. Month or so later, young man decides it's time again to discuss the issue with his mother. Goes to his mother. Mom says, you know what? Your grades have come up. I've seen you reading your Bible more. Very good job. But the hair. He says, oh, come on, Mom. I've been working hard. You've seen me read my Bible. You know what? I've been studying. And I've been to Google and Wikipedia and everything. And I've seen Samson had long hair. Moses had long hair. Probably some of the prophets had long hair, Mom. I'm sure some of the disciples had long hair. Even Jesus had long hair, Mama. Mom says, yes. And they walked everywhere they went. (laughs) Now, speaking of walking, Philip, in the book of Acts, before we do that, though, I want you to take a Bible. You take one of these Bibles if you want. And go to, go to the book of Acts really quick. Acts chapter 8, verse 20-something. Page 127 of these books. Verse 26 of chapter 8. Listen to this. Then an angel of the Lord said to Philip, right, we're talking about Philip, get up and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Now, especially if you have one of these Bibles, there is an editorial insert right after that, right before the next verse. It's put in parentheses. Would you read that with me, please? Ready? Read. This is a wilderness road. I don't know. Philip is led and guided to go down this wilderness road, and he's told, you see that chariot there? Join that chariot, or some translations say, wait, oh, I love that, wait with that chariot. And so Philip goes, and he's alongside this chariot, and in this chariot, there's, there's a pretty high official there, Ethiopian eunuch. And, you know, we don't know too much about him. You may read or hear stuff about who he was and what he did afterwards, and that's all really kind of just guessing, really. We don't really know too much, other than that he was an official. And as he's going along, Philip hears him. Now, sometimes I think we get disconnected from some of these stories, especially some of us who live right around the neighborhood. Going on a journey like this man was wasn't like coming to church this morning. You didn't just get in the car, pop in the driveway, and boom, you're here in a couple minutes. These, these journeys lasted a while. So probably a, a way to pass the time was to read. And that's exactly what this man was doing. He obviously was reading out loud because Philip heard him reading. 
So Philip comes up, hey, what you doing in there? Oh, nothing. I'm just got my scroll and I'm reading. Why don't you come join me? Okay, so he comes in there and Philip says, so what you reading? Oh, something about a, a lamb and something. I don't know. Look at that. So Philip takes that scroll and Ooh, that's Isaiah. Ooh, that's tough stuff. Do you, um, do you understand what you're reading here? And the official says, well, how can I unless someone explains it to me? Philip says, yeah, you're right. Let me go get my pastor. He'll explain it to you. That's not what Philip said. <laughs> Y'all just read the story. That's not what Philip said. You know what Philip did? From that point in, in Isaiah through the rest of the prophets, Luke tells us that he began to tell that man everything that concerned Jesus. I think that's really, really interesting because I think he was told to wait by that chariot for just the right time. Maybe the right time when he heard what the man was talking about, maybe the right time that the man would be willing to invite him in. I don't know, but the right time. And the official says, well, I don't understand this stuff. What does it mean? What's funny about that, in our lives, in the lives of the people around us, people we live with, work with, blah, blah, all that kind of stuff, there comes a point when we are honest enough to ask questions like, why do we really believe in God? Why should I be here in a place like this? What does all this really mean for any of us? How does this affect me at all? And what's really funny about those questions is that sometimes, just the right time, you're the one being asked question. You see, in Philip, he was asked a question. He didn't, go, he didn't go try to find somebody else. He didn't have his scroll with him of Isaiah, his own personal highlighted scroll. He didn't have the scrolls for all the other prophets. He just started telling them. And there's no way Philip could have done that if he didn't already know it. or at least want to try to know it. Because I don't know if you've ever read the Old Testament much through kind of study. It never, it never reads, oh, right here we're talking about a guy coming in a few years named Jesus. Oh, right here we're talking about it. It doesn't do that. It really doesn't at all. So for Philip to know that meant that he knew his Bible, if you want to call it that. He knew these words of the prophets. And he was able to share them at just the right moment. There on that wilderness road. And I don't really know what that means, wilderness road. When, when I hear wilderness, there's an image that comes to my mind, and I don't know that it's the same image that Luke is referring to. I, I got jungles and monkeys and stuff. And I, I don't think that's really what it is, but still, we could probably say that it wasn't a comfortable road. Maybe it was a little dangerous. Maybe 
You know, maybe it wasn't paved as neatly as all the other roads. It was a wilderness road. Churches are called to be on wilderness roads sometimes too, aren't they? What does that road look like? I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's a, a road full of potholes everywhere. Maybe it's a road that has buildings with graffiti all over it. Maybe it's a, a road that on these buildings there are written words and languages that we don't really understand. All we know is that it's a place where we have been led for just that right Whenever, whoever. Even in our families, we have roads like that, don't we? Maybe the wilderness road for our family or ourselves you know, is full of you know, frustration, or it's full of depression or addiction, or it's full of anger, resentment. That wilderness road we have in our own lives full of, of, of no sense of self-worth or, or pity for, for ourselves. Maybe, maybe that wilderness road, maybe it's pretty unbearable sometimes. Jesus had just washed his disciples' feet, had just shared what we'll call communion with them. He says it's time for us to go. So he's walking out, and I don't know if maybe he led them to a particular place on purpose, or maybe they just happened upon it. Maybe they didn't really see anything at all, but I, I have a vision of, of Jesus and his disciples walking by, and on a wall or something there are these vines growing. Jesus says, stop. I'm the true vine. And you are the branches connected to that vine. You know, some, some of the vines get chopped off, and they're left to wither because they aren't connected. But if you remain in me, I remain in you. If you stay connected to me, I'm connected to you. He says, apart from me, you can do nothing. And you know, for me, I might have to be forgiven or prayed for, so you'd be willing to do that if I need be. You know, Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. That's just not really true, is it? I know a lot of people who aren't connected to the vine. I know a lot of people who could care less about being connected to the vine. People who are not only just indifferent to being connected to it, who are just downright violently against being connected. You know what? They're doing stuff. If that weren't true, then every generation wouldn't have some of the questions like, you know, well, well why do the good suffer? while the evil prosper. So, you cannot be connected to the vine and be doing things. That doesn't mean you're doing what God has called you to do. So I think we do ourselves well to realize exactly who Jesus was talking to. He was talking to those young men who were fixing to watch their teacher, their Lord, be nailed to a cross, who were fixing after that to be called out to change the world. And by way of connection, by way of calling, by way of discipleship, I believe Jesus is speaking to you and he's speaking to me as well. 
And on those wilderness roads, we can't do it without them. We can't get through the potholes. We can't serve our neighbor. We can't love our neighbor. We can't bring peace. We can't bring uh, love if we aren't connected to the vine. Friends, I hope this morning, in the midst of Mother's Day, when we talk about love and all those kind of things that are so appropriate for today, that we remember that God has called us back to himself. And he's done that by offering his son. Would you pray with me? Loving God, we want so dearly to be connected to you and ask that we could see your open arms ready to take us in. God, fill us with your peace and your love this day so that on our wilderness roads we could know that you walk with us. In Jesus' name, amen.